If you're ready to go deeper in your Bible study, Living the 66 Books of the Bible by Dr. David Jeremiah will help. You'll learn how to identify each book's purpose, theme, challenge, verse, and prayer. And it's yours with a donation of any amount to Turning Point this month. And if you give $60 or more, you'll also receive the first volume of this series and a Genesis through Revelation DVD. To learn more, visit davidjeremiah.ca. Welcome to Turning Point. If anger weren't a problem, how would your life improve? How about the lives you touch? Does anger keep you from showing agape love? Today, Dr. David Jeremiah shares some practical biblical steps to help ensure that your love isn't eclipsed by your temper. From the series, The Power of Love, here's David to introduce today's message, Love's Power Over Anger. Well, friends, as I mentioned, uh, uh, we live in an angry world, a lot of angry people. And uh, it's really tough to watch that out sourced on television. Watch what happens when anger reaches its boiling point. Uh, I've seen more violence in the communities of our nation in the last two years than in all my life. It's hard to take and watch people walking down the street and just walk by somebody and hit them in the head with a club for no reason whatsoever, just out of the built-up anger in their spirit. Well, the Bible tells us there's something you can do if you are raging with anger. You can replace it with the love of God, and it is really possible to do that. So be sure and stay with us for the rest of today and again on Monday as we talk about love's power over anger. We are in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter of the Bible. This series is called The Power of Love. You can get the study guide. You can get the CD package by going to davidjeremiah.org. You'll find out all the information about it there. And while you're doing that, don't forget that during the month of September, we're making available to all of you who will send a gift to help us with this radio program, a beautiful calendar for 2024. We've kind of backed that up over the last few years so that you have time to get started filling out your calendar. Actually, it's a 14-month calendar. There's a whole page in there for November, a whole page in there for December of 2023, and then all of the months of the new year. So you can get this calendar early on. Get ready for the holidays. Make sure you have all your appointments on your calendar and then start filling in the spaces for 24. People have told us they appreciate that very much to get a head start on it Uh, because of the craziness of the mail service these days. This is a little bigger package than normal. Gives us plenty of time to make certain that you have your calendar and time to use it on day one. This beautiful calendar is uh, built around the theme of the unchanging promises of God, filled with incredible photography. You don't want to miss the opportunity to get this for your home in the new year, and you can do it by sending a gift to Turning Point and simply say, please send me the new calendar. Thank you ahead of time for your generosity. It means so much to us to be able to invest that in the cost of airtime and production for this radio ministry that's just over all the world right now. Thank you again for being a part of what we do. And let's take part one of Love's Power Over Anger. One of the most emotional times I have had took place in our living room as I sat with millions of other Americans and watched a young man by the name of Pete Rose break the all-time hitting record. He broke the record of a man by the name of Ty Cobb 
a man who has gone down in history as the greatest hitter in the history of baseball. As I was reading all I could find on the accomplishment of Pete Rose, I came across an article in USA Today that talked about the man whose record was surpassed. I have to honestly tell you that though I did not know much before about Ty Cobb, reading about him in the paper did not endear him to my heart. He was an unbelievably vicious man. In the USA Today report, they wrote this about Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb was a driven, quick-tempered Georgian. He played 24 seasons in the big leagues, giving no quarter and expecting none. He won the respect of every teammate and opponent and the lasting distaste of nearly the same number. Despite efforts late in his life to rebuild bridges he'd burned during his career, only four representatives from baseball attended his 1961 funeral. Ty Cobb played with an aggressiveness that was often maniacal. He was not much more lovable away from baseball. Legend, and with it some exaggeration, tells of Cobb filing his spikes to razor sharpness each day in clear view of his opponents, then using them to slash whoever impeded his path. It is true that the first memento to be hung in the Hall of Fame was a pair of Ty Cobb spikes. Nobody, save some members of his family, denies that he was a difficult man to like. He was a vicious player, said Hall of Fame pitcher Ted Lyons. He antagonized so many people that hardly anyone would even talk to him, even among his own teammates. Davy Jones told Lawrence Ritter of the glory of their times, he had such a rotten disposition that it was hard to be his friend, and I was probably the best friend he had on this earth. At one old-timers function, Cobb approached Joe Dugan, who had been a close friend of Babe Ruth, whom Cobb naturally disliked, and he offered to buy Dugan a drink. You're 20 years too late, Dugan responded, turning away. In his later years, Ty Cobb drank too much, slept with a luger under his pillow, and bemoaned to anyone who would listen the inferiority of the modern ball player. A great hitter with a terrible disposition. His temper was his undoing. And the Bible says, love is not easily provoked. Little girl was showing her playmate through her new house. And here's my daddy's den, she said. Does your daddy have a den? No, was the answer. My daddy just growls all over the house. <laughs> Legend has it that Jonathan Edwards, the third president of Princeton and one of America's great preachers, had a daughter of uncontrollable temper. As often happens, this fault was not known widely outside of the family, and a young man fell in love with his daughter and asked for her hand in marriage. You can't have her, was the abrupt answer of Jonathan Edwards. But I love her, the young man replied. And again Edwards said, but you can't have her. Why, he asked. And Edwards replied, because she is not worthy of you. But she's a Christian, isn't she? Yes, said Edwards, she is a Christian, 
but the grace of God can live with some people with whom no one else could ever live. (laughs) Paul says that love is not easily provoked. The text literally says love is not provoked. It doesn't lose its temper any time, not just some of the time. The word provoke in the text comes from two Greek words, alongside of and to sharpen, literally to sharpen alongside of. We would say it in our language, to jab, to get angry, to explode. Literally, one translation of 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is not bad-tempered. Someone has reminded us that temper is often the vice of the virtuous. We often excuse people who are virtuous in every other way by saying, well, you have to understand, he just has a short fuse, or he just has a rough temper. But the Bible says love is not bad-tempered. The opposite of being provoked or losing one's temper is self-control. And we know that is the result of being spirit-filled. I wish I were able to give to all of you a copy of the classic sermon on 1 Corinthians 13 that was preached by Henry Drummond. His sermon was called The Greatest Thing in the World. And in his sermon, he has said some wonderful things about love. And when he comes to this section of 1 Corinthians 13, he writes this about temper. Listen carefully. No form of vice, nor worldliness, nor greed of gold, nor drunkenness itself does more to unchristianize society than a bad temper. For embittering life, for breaking up communities, for destroying the most sacred relationships, for devastating homes, for taking the bloom off of childhood, in short, for sheer gratuitous misery-producing power, the influence of a bad temper stands all by itself alone. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 and point out to you that at the root of some of the most grievous sins is this matter of a wrong temper. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19. Here is the listing by Paul writing to the Galatian believers of the works of the flesh. And he lists them like this. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath, factions, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like. And if you go back down through that list and call out of the list all of the characteristics that are related to an evil disposition, you will find the following belong on that list. Hatred, variance, Variance in the King James text literally means quarrelings. Emulations means jealousy, wrath, strife, envyings, murders, bad temper to the ninth degree. All of these characteristics in the works of the flesh are brothers and sisters of a bad disposition, of an evil temper. In fact, murder is simply anger taken to its ultimate end. And murder itself is the result 
of a temper left unguarded. Hardly a week goes by that we don't read in our newspapers about some family quarrel or some triangular love affair where in hot anger someone takes the life of another. That is not to be uh, surprising to us. That is simply the normal, natural response of an evil temper left unchecked that does its ultimate damage. And there are many who struggle with tempers. I know as I was growing up it used to be common for people with red hair to excuse themselves that they had a tough temper. Now, I have never found any scientific verification for that. And I suppose when a person is born with red hair and he hears his mother and father saying, well, he's got red hair, I bet he's going to have a temper, he ends up growing up just trying to fulfill the prophecy of his parents. And I haven't checked the color of your hair, but I would say that probably some of us may struggle on occasion with an evil disposition, a bad temper. Now, by virtue of the fact that we're moving one word at a time through 1 Corinthians 13, we're doing kind of a strange topical exposition. And I don't mean to take you all over the scripture to fulfill the purpose of this message, but we are going to look at a number of passages and talk about a number of things. First of all, if we are going to recover the control of our disposition, if we are going to learn how to live in the community of the local church, and even in the more intimate community of the Christian home, and be faithful to God in the way we function, we have got to learn, first of all, some principles for dealing with our disposition. And I'd like to suggest four or five. Number one, we need to recover the lost art of listening. Mark Lee, who has written a number of books on the Christian marriage, said that reasons that marriages fail are basically due to communication. The problems of a failing marriage may be related to unsatisfactory communication, he wrote. Failure in interpersonal communication ranks high on the list of complaints in faulty marriages. Some analysts contend that this failure is the primary cause for unhappiness among family members. It's unfortunate that when we think about communication, we only think of the active aspect of communication, which is talking. But we ought to also consider the important application of communication, which is listening. Experts tell us that it is not easy to teach people to listen, but listening is a skill that can be learned. Did you know that in the day, approximately 9% of your time will be spent writing, 16% of your time will be spent reading, 30% of your time will be spent speaking, but 45% of your time will be spent listening. Isn't it interesting that that which we do with our time more than any other activity has never been the result of a training seminar? I have never seen anyone get an award for being a good listener. And yet, anatomically speaking, we are to be twice as good a listeners as we are speakers. For God gave us one mouth and two ears. Unfortunately, for most Christians that I know, they have a mouth that is overworked and two ears that are in semi-retirement. <laughs> Someone has said that if we're to be good listeners, we have to be motivated, first of all, 
we must really want to hear what is being said. We must voluntarily decide that we will listen. We must say within ourselves, I will listen to you. We must have purpose. I deeply desire to understand you through your words. We must learn how to listen critically. I will evaluate your words carefully in love. And we must listen cooperatively. I will provide the feedback you need in order to communicate. One of the reasons why tempers are expressed in personal relationships is because we respond and explode to what we think we heard but what was never said. I would like to encourage you to learn how to be a good listener. And if you do that, you will discover that your temper gets back into focus. I remember reading about Senator Sam Irvin, who is dead now, but he was very much a part of the Watergate hearings many years ago. And Senator Irvin suggested that everyone should take notice of what he calls Irvin's Law. That is, in an exchange of words, there are actually three meanings. First, what the speaker thinks he said. Secondly, what the listener thinks he heard. And thirdly, what the actual words meant, according to the dictionary. <laughs> well, he's right. But listening is a very vital part of the control of one's disposition. It seems to me that all of us need to practice learning how to listen so that we actually hear what is said. Then I would like to suggest to you that as you recover the lost art of listening, that secondly, you research your heart and identify the root of your anger. You know, the Bible has some very powerful things to say about anger. Over and over again, the Scripture warns against allowing yourself the luxury of being angry. And every evil temper is the result of some hidden anger in the heart of the person who speaks. Sometimes we think that a temper is simply a momentary outburst that is not related to anything else in the person's life. But anger is the root of evil disposition. And when a person has an, an evil disposition, when they're always losing their temper, when they are easily provoked or when they are set off and on edge, Usually it is the result of something down deep inside that is underground, that is underneath the surface. And uh, though you might not even touch that with what you say, that is anger that is ready to explode. Henry Drummond spoke about temper on another occasion in his address, The Greatest Thing in the World. And he described it like this. He said, it is the occasional bubble that escapes to the surface and betrays some rottenness underneath. A sample of the most hidden products of the soul dropped involuntarily when one is off guard. In a word, the lightning form of a hundred hideous and unchristian sins. For want of patience, for want of kindness, for want of generosity, for want of courtesy, for want of unselfishness, all of these instantaneously are symbolized in the one flash of anger we call temper. What Drummond was saying was that temper is not the problem. Temper is the symptom of the problem that lies down under the surface. If you are always losing your temper, the probability is that you're a very angry person. 
And you need to ask God to give you the courage to reflect in your own life upon the nature and the source of your anger. Here are some passages that speak about an angry soul. We know the one in Ephesians chapter 4. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. List the others and read them when you get a chance. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Proverbs 14, 29. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who is quick-tempered exalts folly. Proverbs 15:18 A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger pacify contention. Proverbs 15:1 A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for him than for a fool. Proverbs 29:20 Proverbs 17:14 The beginning of strife is like the letting of water so abandon the quarrel before it breaks out. James 1:19 and 20 This you know my beloved brethren let everyone be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Down under the surface of a quick-tempered man is the root of bitterness and anger. Ask yourself, why am I so angry? I could tell you stories of people that I have counseled with over the years who have been quick-tempered in their marital relationship, and when we sit down to talk, it has nothing whatsoever to do with that particular relationship, but back in the years past, something happened that created a serious, angry spirit they never dealt with the problem. They let that anger stay there dormant. And because the outbursts of temper don't seem to be related to the problem of anger in the past, they never draw the straight line between the bad disposition and the old hurt. And only as you bring them to understand that can they be set free from the slavery of an evil temper. And so I would encourage you not only to recover the lost art of listening and be sure you're hearing what is being said, but to go back and research your heart and identify the root of your anger. Let me give you a third principle. Principle number three, refuse to seek revenge. Irritation in the heart of the believer is always an invitation to the devil to stand by. And if you're out there seeking revenge, you have just opened your whole spirit and your whole heart so that Satan can walk in with all the cohorts of his demons and take control of your life. A person who seeks revenge has opened himself up to demonic activity in his life. And the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, teaches us what we're to do when we are tempted to revenge. And I want you to turn there in your Bibles. Recompense to no man, evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. 
For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The Bible teaches that if we seek revenge, we are violating the principles of God, but we are also setting ourselves up for Satan's control of our life. Well, that's what the scripture teaches, and we'll have more of this on Monday. By the way, I hope that you are back in the routine of being in church on the Lord's Day. I get emails and letters from pastors all over the country thanking me for encouraging you to go back to church, and I hope you're doing that. You may not feel like it, but you know, sometimes we have to do what's right whether we feel like it or not. Maybe you're nervous about going back into that community. Maybe you feel like you've lost touch with everything. But you just got to put your foot down and say, you know what? It's right for me to go to church. I know that's what the Bible teaches, and I'm going back this weekend. I'm going to make church a part of my life. If you do, the ultimate result will be you will be a better person, and God will use you in a way you cannot be used if you do not experience the obedience of being in church every week. And then um, be sure to watch for us on television and uh, get back with us on Monday as we continue our discussion of the power of love. I'm David Jeremiah. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Power of Love, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our aspiring 14-month calendar for 2024. Focused on God's enduring faithfulness, the unchanging promises of God. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in your choice of handsome cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, The Power of Love, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. In the early 1960s, the United Artists Movie Studio in Hollywood was auditioning actors to play the role of the President of the United States in an upcoming movie. They rejected one male actor after seeing his audition because, and I quote, he doesn't have that presidential look. That actor was Ronald Reagan, who went on to serve two terms as President of the United States. 
No one can doubt that appearance influences how we judge people. But there's something God values more, the person's heart. God told the prophet Samuel that man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover why God values the heart on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.